hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Go ahead and count it. Last week was the fourth week in a row that the S&P 500 rose, and this time it set an all-time new high. That's despite ongoing profit contraction. Yes, the S&P and the NASDAQ both hit new highs, and it does represent a technical breakout. If you've been listening for a while, and I hope you have, I've talked about the market being in a wide trading range that started back in the summer with the top end of that range being about 30-20 on the S&P 500. And of course, we broke through that. We smashed through that level. Now we're sitting closer to 30-80. So what happens to 30-20? Well, it goes from the resistance level where we're trying to get through to the support level where that's where we need to watch if it goes, if the market pulls back. I think that if you're an investor now, you have to be a bit more careful with your selections. At the moment, the economy is just muddling along. We're growing at a sub 2% growth rate and the corporate profits, as I said, are declining. As a matter of fact, analysts have been cutting their long range forecasts at a faster pace than in the aftermath of dot-com bubble. And that says something because historically the S&P 500 and its five-year forward earnings estimates have been joined at the hip. So if it holds true, well, it's not such great news for the markets, is it? It doesn't mean that it will hold true because there's a lot of good things that could happen. We could get a trade deal with China. That could spring to life. The U.S. dollar, well, it could start declining, and that would act as a spark to ignite global growth. So it doesn't pay to get too pessimistic, I guess is what I'm saying. For now, We're going to continue to rely on the consumer consuming. And it's the growth in wages that have been driving the consumer spending, according to Yardini Research, and they've been doing a wonderful job for years. But according to Yardini Research, private sector wages and salaries, well, they're up by more than 4% to a new record high during September. And I believe it because just look at retail sales. Retail sales were up over 4%. Now, of course, there's uncertainty out there, which always makes things a little bit scarier. It's like going through the haunted house, which I did with my daughter this past weekend, because we're walking through and you never know when something or someone was going to jump out and scare the hell out of you. And we're seeing that with the consumer too. The trade war, the political environment, that's all created a lot of uncertainty. And I think as a byproduct of that, consumers are saving more. We can just see it. The 12-month sum of personal savings went from about a billion dollars in November of 2017 to more than $1.3 trillion during August. So over that same time period, personal savings went from 6.5% to 8.1%. That's a big jump. That also is telling you that incomes are growing faster than spending. Real disposable personal income has been growing faster than real personal consumption expenditures. 
see disposable income is up 7.8%, 7.8%. Well, personal, ex- uh, personal consumption or personal expenditures is up 6.6%. So disposable income up nearly eight. Consumption expenses up nearly seven. So l- let me tidy this up a bit because I've thrown a lot of numbers out there. The consumer is 70% of our economy and they're earning more and they're spending more and they're saving more. Sounds like a great combination. So let's hear it for the consumer because they're keeping us in the game. Now back to the markets in my more cautious awareness. The S&P 500, well, it's trading close to about 17, 18 times forward earnings estimates. I don't know if you follow it closely or not, but let me put it in perspective. It isn't insanely expensive. I wouldn't say that, but it is above its five and 10 year average, which kind of makes sense because interest rates are low, but it's still above the five or 10 year average. The thing is, when I look at this, even though it's expensive, eh, right now, it's historically been a good time for the markets. I mean, calendar wise, the end of the year, except of course, last year, we just, Let's forget about that. But November, December, pretty good time for the markets. Tell you what, let's just focus on the fundamentals. Let's just have that be our guide. You know, I got a question late last week on all the political turmoil and how it's going to affect the the markets. And I I get these quite a bit. If you have a question, feel free to, to email me at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. Historically, <laughs> I think that's the third time I've said that in the last five minutes, historically. So, so I've reached my limit on that. Okay, one more. Historically, politics have had little effects on the market, little effect on the market. Let's just take a look at last week. And for the record, when it comes to investing, I, I'm a political agnostic. But last week, the Democratic-led House of Representatives and they voted to formally open an impeachment inquiry into whether President Trump pressured a foreign country to investigate a political rival in exchange for military aid. What happened? The market shrugged it off. It finished the week at a record high. Market sees, you know, the market is more responsive to trade, uh, trade headlines Then the political headlines. Keep in mind that the House does impeach the president. The decision would go to the Republican-led Senate, where two-thirds majority would be required to convict. convict. And you know what? It just seems unlikely to me. What happened when President Clinton and Nixon were impeached? When it was Clinton, the market rallied 28%. Can you, right? Impeach the president, president and the market goes up almost 30%. Well, when they impeached Nixon, the market was fell about 13%. Let's get on with the fun stuff. Let's talk about some stocks. Good client of mine asked me a few weeks ago if I thought the biotechs and the healthcare stocks were, were dead money for a while. With Medicare being Medicare for all being shouted from the hilltops. And no doubt he was probably looking at his computer screen and seeing his positions in Johnson and Johnson, United Health, and Regeneron. Truth is, I don't know if it's dead money. Could be dead money for a week, a month, till the next election. Who knows? I certainly don't know. But what I do know is 
I'm able to buy pretty good solid companies that are growing and I'm getting what I think is a deal. I don't know when they're going to go up. I'm going to buy them. I'm going to be patient. I feel like I'm buying 70 cent dollars. Sure, they could get marked down tomorrow because of the market or some comment or whatever, but but I can't get too mad because I think I'm getting a good deal now relative to the risk that I'm assuming. And I'm fine with people hating on on these stocks because you know, it gives me a good deal. <laughs> gives me those 70 cent dollars. Look at Regeneron, symbol R-E-G-N. I've talked about this one on occasion, but here's a company that grew its revenues by more than 23% last quarter. They grew its revenues by 23%. How many people are doing that? And they grew their earnings by more than 13% on both an adjusted and a gap basis. Over the last five years, they've grown their revenues by more than 30% on average. That's right. Their revenues have gone up by more than 30% a year on average for the last five years. And their earnings have gone up by more than 50% a year on average for the last five years. Can they keep that up? No, probably not. But I do think that they can keep growing at a pretty decent clip. Right now, they're trading about 15 times next year's earnings. That's cheaper than what the market is trading at. And I actually... Of course, I think it's a buy here. I think it's cheap than what it what it actually looks, because I adjust for some marketing costs on the relatively new drugs. What else is cheap? Well, what else is cheap and released earnings is Berkshire Hathaway, symbol BRK. We buy the B shares. I buy the B shares. BRKB. I talked about them last week, so we won't do the whole story today. We'll do the short story. Operating earnings were up 14%. Another company that's growing nicely, nice gains in insurance investment income. Burlington, Northern Santa Fe, Mid-America Energy, and a whole bunch of other divisions did well. And their cash hoard continues to grow. It was up to $128 billion, which is up $6 billion from the last quarter. And I was disappointed that they didn't buy back more stock, but hey, that's just me. I told you that we'd cut to the chase here. So here's what it is. I think it's a buy, but you need to do your own research and see if it's right for you. You just don't buy something because you heard it on the podcast or saw it in an article. Berkshire at about 1.3 times book value. Well, this is where it has been in the past, been a good place to, I almost said historically, but I'm not going to say that because I said I wasn't going to say it anymore. But in the past, this has been a good valuation to buy at. Apple, symbol AAPL. Well, there was another company that had a good quarter. And I tell you, the analysts are falling all over themselves trying to raise their price targets. I'm not going to go do the numbers. You can look them up if you like. But I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's my largest holding. Apple sitting around all-time highs. It's been on a tear here since the middle of summer. I think it's up around 45% since then. Question over the last year or two hasn't been, is this a great company? Are they going to innovate? Are their earnings going to rise? No, 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 no. It's been about what should we be paying for a dollar of earnings? What's the right PE multiple? It was at 12 times earnings because it was basically a one-trick pony. This is years ago. The iPhone, 
That's what they had. Selling hardware based off of innovation. That's what they did. Now investors are willing to pay 21 times earnings because they're more diversified. The revenue stream, that is. That more reoccurring revenue. And you value reoccurring revenue higher, well, because it's reoccurring. keeps coming back. I think investors are still struggling with what the right price is to pay. I don't think it's 21 times, but I think it's certainly more than 12 times earnings. I think Apple, symbol AAPL, is my favorite, and it's my favorite stock. I think Apple's a hold here. Okay, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Thank you for listening. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.